0: Good morning. Wow. I was one of the very first preachers once COVID hit and everything shut down. So I love being with people. And the last time I was here doing this, Joel Alberti was there (laughs) with the laugh track. And an occasional, (laughs) we always gauge Joel's Interest in our conversations by how many haha he gives us <laughs> see if there's if there's one It's like That's funny <laughs> Like wow, we got him to chuckle He <laughs> but he didn't want to linger because he doesn't want to give too much attention to other humans <laughs> Second We know <laughs> We get him twice and it's like whoa man Joel really thinks we're funny. So we try again and we get the three ha's. (laughs) Don't ever do that again. (laughs) In the kindest Pastor Joel way, he speaks in Morse code and we have learned to decipher his code. (laughs) And most of us behave accordingly. Well, I am grateful to be here. I'm really grateful for this opportunity and I have loved this series so far. So if the message gets boring, there's a little science diagram up here um, that's really appealing, especially if you just had a Bloody Mary. Uh, But anyway, there's going to be a quiz on the different chambers of the heart after each of the services. We're in 1 Samuel, and we see Hannah, who is desperate for a child, who is desperate for God, and submitted to what God wants to do. She pleads with the Lord. She pleads with the priest, Eli, and God answers her prayers. We see Samuel, a young boy, growing up in the temple, and he begins to hear the voice of the Lord in a time that is very dark and difficult, and he has some dark and difficult news to share that the Lord is prompting him to share, and the priest, Eli, says, Please, don't hold anything back. Both Hannah and Samuel did things that were not very easy socially. Hannah was blubbering in her prayers at the temple so much that the priest sent her home thinking she was drunk. Samuel got to speak to his authority, his mentor, the priest, and tell him horrible things that were to come about his own family and his land. When we ask God to use us, It is not going to be comfortable all the time, but God expects obedience, and God is good enough and gracious enough to allow us to partner with his plan and his will, and he anoints us by the presence and the power of his spirit to do what he asks us to do and leave the results to him. God's responsibility is in the results and in the fruit Our responsibility as his children, as his family, as his army, our responsibility is to be faithful. We don't have to even do that great of a job at our little part because God is really good at doing his. But it is our responsibility to discern his voice, to know his word, to seek his face, and to do what he asks us to do. Hannah did so. Samuel did so. And last week as Pastor Joel was... Preaching and teaching us about the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant that represented God's very presence, that God is with us. And he talked about wholehearted devotion. What does it mean to be wholeheartedly devoted? We are on a pursuit as a church, and I believe as a church in this country, to pursue God's heart at all costs. This is a dark and desperate hour. And God wants us. God needs our partnership. The God of the universe who knows all things is inviting us to partner with him to see the change that we can't produce in our own strength. You guys, that's good stuff. That's a privilege that I do not want to take lightly. And I'm going to challenge each of us today as we walk through the next chapter, the next saga in the life of Samuel as he is, a, as he is now a man. So I'd like you to stand. If you're in bed, we'll wait for you. <laughs> wow, those are some strange pajamas. You didn't know this was a two-way camera, did you? Oh, sir, you can get back under the covers. Thank you. <clears throat> First Samuel chapter 7. The men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord. They brought it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to guard the ark of the Lord. The ark remained at Kiriath-Jerim a long time, 20 years in all. Then all the people of Israel turned back to the Lord. Let's pray. God, we know what it feels like to sense distance from your will and your ways. God, it doesn't take much online, on the news, listening to conversations around us to realize that the unrest that we find ourselves in can only be solved by your wisdom and your presence and your power. So Lord... Help us today to respond well to what the Spirit is saying to the churches and to what your Spirit is saying to each one of us so that we would be faithful sons and daughters, that we would be faithful witnesses and faithful representatives of your good presence, your power, and your love in this dark day that we live. We celebrate the kingdom of God and the one who made it all possible for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. So, uh, I have four points that we're going to walk through this morning, and I'm going to let you know what they are ahead of time, because I know some of us are linear thinkers, linear learners, and they're just like, where are you? So this is good. Good. You know? And if it's boring, like I said, you could just consider this a checklist. It's like going to a sixth grade orchestra concert. It's like, oh my goodness. You look at the program, and it's like, this isn't a program. This is a checklist. How many more songs do we have to endure before this is over? (laughs) Oh, three more left, honey. No, no, they're calling an audible. They're bringing out the fifth graders. No! (laughs) So, I mean, I love fifth graders. It's just when people are learning to play strings. Yeah, somebody gets it. The people of Israel were in a time of reflection. And I want to learn from us. I want to learn from this. I want us to learn from this, to reflect. It felt like God was far away. They mourned the separation from God. They grieved the situation that they found themselves in. For 20 years, it seemed that God was distance, And his blessing and his favor were difficult to find and difficult to embrace. As I reflect on 2020... Well, this just went south, didn't it? (laughs) Why did he have to start a sentence like that? As I reflect on 2020, this has been a year of unquantifiable pain for many people and myself included. We can come into a room like this together. We can look at each other. We could even perform our functions at work for those of us who are privileged enough to still be working and doing our thing and on the outside we can appear normal. But there has just been a pummeling barrage of violence and hate and unrest and bad news and difficulty and fear and division that just hammers on the endings of our nerves. That just clutters our brains that are already so small and it just tightens us up, and we don't know where to turn. We don't know how to process, and we don't know who to trust. Does this make sense? Is someone feeling some of this business? And so we can look around, and we can try to be those things, and then we realize that I might look good on the shell, on the outside, but there is an internal piece, several pieces of us that is crumbling and failing, and hurting, and empty. And we find ourselves laden with fear, or hate, or frustration, or anger, or disunity. And we didn't even want those things, and we're not even pursuing those things, and we're trying to avoid those things, and we're just trying to stay informed. We can't handle all of that because we are small, and we are weak, and we are insecure. But I have good news. We are frail by design. God made us to depend on him, and his power is perfected in our weakness. So I want to encourage you, as we reflect today, God is near. It might seem like his blessing and his favor and his plan are nowhere in sight. But when we reflect, we remind ourselves of what is true. Life has been really hard, but God has been really good. This week it was, you know, like 95 degrees. I'm sitting at a stoplight in my car, and I'm trying to get the air conditioning to work. And as I'm sitting there, the stoplight seemed like it was like an eight minute stoplight. And this rearview mirror falls right on the dashboard. And I am like, this is exact, why not? It's 2020, you know, there goes my 2020 vision right there, you know. And I am like, that's happening. And it's dangling by the glue, you know, for for a few seconds. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't look very appealing. But the mirror fell. And I thought, how convenient for 2020. So I'm going to let you guys just check it out. You know, when I taught my kids how to drive, I said, it's more important that you know your surroundings than just where you're going. So, you know, as they learn in as that. I mean, you're looking at the road, side mirror, side mirror, rear view mirror, side view, side view, rear, you know, and you're kind of, your eyes are bouncing around and it's very important. If you come up to a stoplight in a hurry and you got to kind of jam on those brakes, one of the most important places you can be looking is where? Your rear view mirror. Because you might stop and avoid the person in front of you, but man, you got a semi coming up behind you at 60 miles an hour. <clears throat> You got to get out of the way so they hit the person in front of you. (laughs) Never repeat that. That's horrible wisdom. Um, But it's really important that you know what's behind you. And sometimes we look at reflecting on our own lives as like selfish or self-indulgent. It's like, and some of us are like, man, that's the most depressing thing I can think about is to think about my past. (sighs) I have coffee with a good friend of mine. And we enjoy coffee. He enjoys his chai tea. And we get together once in a while, and, and he gets a punch card because the place that we go is right by his house. And, um, and I kind of keep an eye on his punch card because I think maybe I might score on one of them free drinks sometimes. Because you know, you get the free one, you could buy 10 cheap coffees and then get the $6 drink, you know, for the freebie, and that's always fun. <laughs> and I knew that he had his full punch card. And he put it in the pocket and he offered to buy my drink and to buy his tea. And he put the punch card in the pocket And he ended up paying we sat down I said Didn't you have a full punch card? He said oh yeah I bring it home to my wife And you know what? I realized At first I wanted to say Well she doesn't do anything to deserve that I mean I'm the one here spending time I mean we're sharing life together And I look and I'm just thinking Man She has done nothing to deserve it But yet it is his free gift to her He blesses her because he loves her and he is very aware that he is not a perfect man and just think if humans can do little acts of kindness like that to bless others how much God would desire to bless us God already knows what we need he is always good and he is always near I'm reading a book I say that because you guys know that I'm a very slow reader this is on the stack of 38 books that's on my nightstand and it's the recent book from Bob Goff and it's called Dream Big. He says, It is not indulgent to spend some time reflecting on your life. In fact, it's foolish not to. You've got to figure out who you are before you can decide who you're going to be. Only then will you be able to sort out whether what you want is worth the time and sacrifice that it's going to take to get it. Trying to be who everyone thinks or expects us to be is exhausting. Amen? Amen. Start getting out of that mess by making it known to yourself and those around you that you're not going to let others decide who you are anymore. It's God alone who names you. And here is some great news. You are simply His. This is good news because our lives should not depend on the opinions of other people. God refers to that in the scriptures as the fear of man. The fear of man is a snare. The overarching opinions of the people around us is a snare to what God has in store for us and what God thinks of us. So God's people were forced to face their predicament. His presence was distance as they reflected on God's faithfulness in the past and his promises for the future Israel's heart was strengthened. They did not wish to keep going any further if God was not going to be with them. And I've said this before when we recognize that God is all that we have, it is then that we realize that God is all that we need. So I have a question for us What is true? I want you just to think for a moment because we're going to have four little response times. Reflect for a moment. I'm going to invite you if you'd like to close your eyes. Again, if you're in bed, don't fall asleep. But I just want you to reflect in your own life for a moment. Reflect on God's activity and his faithfulness in your past. Reflect on the things that are good and right and true about who God is. And what he has done. This might be more difficult for some of us. For some of us, the fact that we are alive today is a reason to be grateful for God's good and saving presence. Reflect on God's promises. Yes, some of the ones that you've been praying for over and over and over and over and you're just wondering, is it worth it? reflect on those promises and reclaim them for yourself. So let's remember what is true. If you personally need a fresh reminder, a fresh recollection of the goodness of God, I'm just going to invite you to open up your hands in a way to say, God, me God thank you for being good and faithful and true thank you for being with us in the midst of the pain thank you for going through suffering with us thank you for being in the midst of our own mess and the chaos right now and for many of us it's a chaos that we've created you are still with us thank you for loving us thank you for your promise to never leave us to never forsake us We rely, we are desperate for those promises to be fulfilled because we are weak and frail. Thank you that your power is perfected in our weakness. And as we reflect, would you allow us to be reminded of what is good and right and true as we chart the course from here on out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Second scripture that I want to read is continuing on here in verse 3. So Samuel said to all the Israelites, if you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, yes, 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 that's me. Uh Uh-huh, we said that. We're here. Then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. The Philistines was the hot army, the enemy that was upon them in a big way. So the Israelites put away their bales and their astraths. In case you don't know what that means, just a quick definition, those are false gods, statues, human-made deities, things that they worship and that have more of their attention than the Lord himself. Put away those things, and they served the Lord only. They responded to what God was inviting them to through Samuel. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. Samuel waited to hear their hearts. And as their hearts were crying out to the Lord and returning to him in unity, he said, That's what I was waiting for. Now come, let's gather together. So they assembled Together. The second point that I see is that they did some recalibration. Samuel told the Israelites exactly where to go and what to do. And as I mentioned before, Samuel had been charting his own course from an early age. From a young boy, Samuel had already made some decisions that he was going to serve God. And obey him, no matter what the cost. So, recalibrate. Once the Israelites reflected on where they had been without God, they realized where they needed to go and what it was going to take to get there. That's a good, that's a good part of reflecting. Once you realize where you've been, you can understand how you want to recalibrate from here on out and once you know the direction you want to face you can determine the steps that you're going to take to get there where do we hear the word recalibrate recalibrating every time you have reached your destination gps it's a wonderful thing it is i mean the technology of gps still amazes me it, it really does. But then again, I'm still impressed with forks and spoons. So anyway, but still, GPS is an exciting technology. However, me and GPS have a love-hate relationship going on. Um, and I have something else I want to get for you. See, this is great. I'm undiagnosed ADHD, so when I run around like this, it just gives me things to do. Not that you guys aren't exciting to look at. Okay, so here we are. We're cruising. Hey, whoa. You guys look better in reverse, by the way. Hello, Jody. Good to see you guys. All right. Well, here's the love hate relationship situation starting route. Starting route. Okay, good. Tell me where to go. And it will say something like Go west on Sycamore Street. I have no idea which way west is. I'm in a parking lot at a China Inn. I have no idea where Sycamore Street is or where West is. And so as I'm kind of looking at, trying to blow it up, it continues to yell at me, go West on Sycamore Street. Come on. And I think the GPS is more in a hurry than I am sometimes, and I'm just like, leave me alone. So i switched switch the voice. So it's a nice, sultry voice. Go West on Sycamore Street. I still don't know where Sycamore Street is, and I have no idea which way West is. Usually I could look at the sun, but it's a cloudy day. And I see the destination time clicking farther and farther away. Recalibrating. And then all of a sudden it does this whole circus display on my GPS, you know, when I do something wrong, you know, in 400 feet. How do I know what 400 feet is? I mean, what am I going to take a left turn in 400 feet? I mean, someone got a tape measure. Here I am recalibrating, recalibrating. It's like, you big dummy. I mean, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, who is this guy? What's he doing? And the the whole map's up there. And if if I'm not confused yet... The China Inn starts to click in, and man, we got a whole bunch of things going on at one time. (laughs) Well, oh sure, you like that. Okay, we got this? Okay, now you guys can drive along with me. It's important that we reflect on where we've been. It's important that we know where we're going, that we recalibrate our course in such a way Even though I changed the voice, I still don't like what she tells me sometimes. Just because we follow God and commit to him and even like his voice doesn't mean we're going to always like the things that he asks us to do. That is why it's important that we reflect on the past so that we can remember the faithfulness of God as we recalibrate our course and make a sure statement that we want to serve God and serve Him only from this point forward, the Israelites had some big decisions to make. Would they return to the Lord really? would they was just was this just you know saying something good until November rolls around, or were they just would they, they mean business? Would they get rid of those foreign gods? Would they commit? To serving the Lord only. Now there's a packed sentence. Commit to the Lord and serve him only. There's not a whole lot of gray areas in that right there. The amplified version says commit to the Lord and serve him only. There's just not a whole lot of words to add to that. Commit to the Lord and serve him only. Those aren't words that we can just sing or Mumble, because that's the crux of this whole thing called discipleship. Committing ourselves to the Lord and serving him only. Jesus is not our buddy. Jesus is not our homeboy. Jesus is not the cool bling I got around my neck. Jesus is not something that I try to talk about on social media And I'm weird about it because I'm a Christian and Christians are weird. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To find true joy in Jesus Christ is going to involve a true recalibration of our heart. And a reflection of who he is and what he's done. Deciding who you want to serve will determine where you want to go. When I was 15, I got a job working at a car wash. All of you older people are going to start singing it. At the car wash. (laughs) Business was slow. This was my very first day. And so somebody suggested, I said, well, what do we do on the slow days? They said, oh, we just clean out the tunnel. And so they have this, like, super long hose, and you go in the tunnel. And all of that grit and grime and dirt and salt and all that stuff it just kind of piles up in there as it gets washed off the car it just kind of sits there you got to kind of hose it down into the into the channel so i'm like all right well i don't want to get caught just standing around on my first day i want to wait at least a week till i start that action um, so i go in there and i pull this hose out and i've just got this thing about hosing i love you can just see the effects of the clean ground going before you and it's just so great so i was in there and I'm hosing it, I'm getting lost in this and it's just great, I'm loving it I'm hosing down this tunnel, getting rid of all this stuff and I'm like, if anyone, if the boss walks by me right now, I'm doing a good thing and I was just, I wasn't even doing it for the boss I was doing it because this is great I'm taking advantage of this dead time I didn't hear one of the guys in the back said car! (laughs) that's an important word when you work at a car wash When you're in the tunnel with 600 feet of hose and brushes are about to start spinning and it's your first day and you don't know any better and you didn't realize that there was a hazing conspiracy against you from the time you showed up to work that day. (laughs) The brushes started to spin and I'm like, you know, okay, I better get out of here. All of a sudden, you know, I'm like moving the hose and then the hose starts to pull me. And the hose is getting wrapped around one of these huge cloth brushes, you know, these things. I mean, when you're in the car, it's kind of cool. You get the little music and the little bright lights and the cool foam. When you're in the middle of that, outside of a car, and you got his hose and you're, for some reason, the most important thing to the world in that moment was saving that hose. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. I don't know why I was thinking that. I'm just like, I started hosing. I'm not going to lose this hose. <laughs> I might lose my life, but this nozzle will not need to be replaced. <sighs> I was tangled and trapped. You guys, I was trying to do too much at once. There was a part of me that wanted to impress people, but I ended up embarrassed. Embarrassed filled with sweat among other things (laughs) and making yeah you can finish that one and making a big fat mess I'm sorry big overweight mess stop collaborate and listen recalibrate and listen cry out like I did from that tunnel stop I did not even know what to say Stop! Uh, the the car wash glossary was was very young at that point. <laughs> untangle your mess with the Lord and with some good friends and start fresh. Cry out, untangle, and start fresh. I needed to get out of there. The hose was saved. I think I lost my salvation in the process, but the hose was saved and I worked it out. Went to confession that Friday night. Thankfully, Jesus didn't return in the meantime. So I have a question. How might you need to recalibrate your path? As Sarah and I were reading through the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel, Sarah's my wife, uh, she noticed, this is funny, if you know Sarah, she noticed to her dismay, she said, there's so much more focus on relationships and people's hearts than their conquests. <laughs> and my wife is a competitor she likes conquests she likes task lists she likes winning that's why she chose me probably anyway (laughs) these things are important to God he cares about our process because he loves relationship my relationship our relationship with God is personal but as I grow with him it's meant to be shared And as I recalibrate the path I'm on, one of the most important questions I can ask is who will help me? Who will help me? So, I want you to think. Who's going to help you on this journey? Who can you trust to recalibrate? Who can you trust to confess the things that you need to confess so that you can go the way that you need to go? Well, let's, I'd like to pray for us here in this moment. Lord, many of our minds are racing as you bring to our attention something that needs to be adjusted. I pray that you would give us the strength and the self-discipline To make those decisions and to make them stick. Would you let us learn from the Israelites who weren't just saying things with their mouths. But they meant it with their lives. And would you bring people in our lives. And would you give us courage to reach out to those who can help us. As we recalibrate this journey towards you. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, let's see what happens next. Starting in verse 6. Last thing we knew, Samuel said, okay, I see your hearts, I like the unity, now assemble. When they had assembled, we're going to try this again with less syllables. When they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed, we have sinned against the Lord. Now Samuel was serving as leader of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines, the bad guys, the big bad army that was coming against God's people, when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. Okay, hey, they're all in one place. This is going to be easy. Let's surround them. Boom. The enemy thinks he wins. When the Israelites heard of it, (laughs) they were afraid. They had recalibrated some of their course, but they still knew that without God's presence, they would be toast. They were afraid because of the Philistines. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he might rescue us from the hands of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf. And the Lord answered him. I like when God answers. I like when he says yes. God saw their heart. He knew they were willing to recalibrate. They came together in unity, and God answered their prayers. But the journey was not over. The process of pursuing the presence of God was reaching its most difficult stage, and that is repent. The people's response they did put away the foreign gods, they did decide. To serve the Lord only they fasted, they confessed their sin. you guys remember Bob Newhart Bob Newhart did this comedy routine, and he was a he was a therapy counselor, and someone came into the and she was having all of these issues, and she just kept having these thoughts and she just kept thinking things, and then she kept doing these dumb things and and um, you know, he's like, oh, you know. She's like, well, where do I sit? You know, and how long will this be? Oh, this won't take long at all. And uh, she's like, well, where do I pay? She's like, well, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry. You know, um, in fact, you might not even need to sit down for this. And she started telling me, well, you know, sometimes I, I think this, and, um, and sometimes I, you know, then, then I, then I do this, and I know it's a dumb thing. And, and Bob Newhart, in his, in his, in his, um, uh, you know, his little voice. Um, in case you're young, Bob Newhart is uh, Buddy the Elf's dad in Elf. Okay, just to give you a little. Yeah, okay. Now we got it. yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Got it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, so so I've got I've got I got a couple words for you and she's, she's getting out her paper to write this down. He's like, "Well, you, you might be able to remember it." Stop it. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's basically it. Stop it. Oh, I know, but, but then I, I, I do this thing and I really don't want to do it. Well, stop it. Stop doing it. Well, then I, then I get to thinking, that, well, stop it. Now, Bob Newhart is not God, but he's very funny. <laughs> and a lot of truth is found in that sketch. If you ever want to just Google, Bob Newhart, stop it. You'll enjoy it. But sometimes we make it more complicated than that. We make it more dramatic. You want to have a conquest? Stop doing what is getting in the way of you and God. Because if it's getting in the way of you and God, it's getting in the way of God working through you to a lost and dying world that really needs to know his love and his presence and his power and his plan. So stop it. I know it's not always that easy. But I think for half of us, stop it. We can do it. Find some help. You need a counselor? Get two. You need a little break? Take one. You need to stop binging Netflix till three in the morning? Stop it. God says in the scriptures, be holy as I am holy. That's the Billy Graham way of saying I didn't write down the reference. The Bible says, be holy as I am holy. God is holy and holy means set apart. He doesn't need us to impress people. He's calling us to imitate his son. Just like me in that car wash tunnel, cry out because God can do what you can't do on your own and partner with his plan. The Israelites knew the presence of God. They had experienced the presence of God. And they didn't want to compromise any longer and miss out on God's blessing and his favor. So what can we learn from this? Remove selfishness and sin because that stuff gets in the way. Reject anything that gets in the way of God's best. And refresh your community. Some of us just might need new friends. Or to add some friends who are going to help us on the journey towards Jesus because it's difficult to do alone especially when we're hanging around a lot of people who are going the way that we are not choosing don't give the devil a foothold in your life feed the things that you want to grow starve the things in your life that you want to die so get some sleep eat a little better Stop binging on mind-numbing activities. I'm just reading you my to-do list for this afternoon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Put your phone away. Man, this is kind of convicting. I wasn't expecting this. Get counseling. Check. Stop that relationship. Forgive that person. As God's family, let's put an end to choices, behaviors, and lifestyles that we know are not God's best. So that we can gather together as a body of Christ to let him have his way in and through us. Question here, what must I change? What is in the way of God's best? What have you been hanging on to? What do you need to repent of? What needs to go? So we're just going to have a little, I'm just going to come around and interview you guys and you just want to let us know what your dark sin is. No. (laughs) the nervous laugh I need to emote but I don't know how close our eyes Lord what needs to go search us know our hearts give us the courage to cut off the things that are a hindrance to you having the full expression of your life lived through us so that we can be free Amen. And finally, rejoice. Here we are. Samuel, while Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Philistines. The Philistines were ready to conquer The Israelites were scared of being conquered. God had different plans. As they repented and recalibrated and made themselves unified before him, God routed the enemy before them. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them along the way to a point below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer. Saying thus far, the Lord has helped us. Ebenezer is a representation of God's help. God doing things in our life that only He can do. So the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading Israel's territory. How many would like the enemy's hand off of your life? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, today is not that day, but there is a day coming where we will see him face to face and we will know all things and see we are known. But God offers to be with us. He offers to go before us and he offers to guard behind us as we walk and pursue him together in righteousness and holiness. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistine and there was peace. Peace. We need a little bit more of that action in our life. God offers peace that goes beyond our understanding. God offers joy that is despite our circumstances. And God offers hope that does not and will not disappoint. There is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness depends on the things that are happening around us. No wonder a lot of us aren't happy. Joy comes from what we know to be true as we reflect and we recalibrate our lives and we repent in our hearts. Joy comes from a deeper place than our circumstances. I'm officiating a wedding this afternoon and so last night we had the wedding rehearsal and there was so much excitement. You would have thought, I mean, there was like so much excitement in that wedding rehearsal that it was like almost as exciting as any wedding that I have ever done. But this bride and this groom and all of their friends and their families were just so excited. I mean, they couldn't even contain themselves with what was to come. And as God reveals himself to us in this life that we live, there should be a divine excitement about things that are to come, even though we can't see them yet. The promises of God are yes and amen. So here's the question. And I'm going to invite the band... To come back up here, if you guys wouldn't mind doing that. Where will I find my joy? We will find true joy as we fix our eyes on Jesus and rely on him for everything that we need. Maybe I'm going to call Door Creek and see if their band could come up here. Um, I knew that again. The Von Trapp Family Singers. In the book of Hebrews. Sorry, Curtis, my hands were clean. (laughs) Though not every one of them. Um. Since we are surrounded, in Hebrews chapter 12, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race set out for us. What a perfect testimony of reflecting. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. All of the saints who have wrestled and struggled and succeeded that have gone before us. Recalibrating, let us run with endurance the race set out for us. I'll talk faster if you guys play. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, Jesus knew the joy, and it was the joy that was set before him as he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he eventually sat at the right hand of the Father. Jesus had joy that was greater than his circumstances because he knew what was to come, and you and I are part of that plan that was to come. We are part of his joy that let him endure that cross. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We can rejoice despite our circumstances. We can have hope despite what we see. We can feel helpless, but we are not hopeless. God is with us. He is for us. Nothing takes Him by surprise. And He is good and faithful and true. Would you stand with me, please? So what happened to Samuel? He continued as leader all the days of his life from year to year he went on judging Israel in all those places but he always went back to where his home was and he built right there an altar for the Lord this is our day some of us might need to reflect some of us might need to be doing some hard recalibrating some of us need to repent I need to do all of that Some of us might just need to rejoice. We've got the other stuff. We're living a pretty good life. We know that God is in control. We just need to act like it. Let's trust Jesus today. So we're going to finish our service by singing a song that it's hard not to smile to. And we're not smiling because we're perfect. We're smiling because he is. And he is the one in whom we have hope. So let's worship and praise. I'll be back here in a minute to dismiss you. God will make a way God will make a way where there seems to be no other way and he chooses to partner with his people his creation whom he loves if you are at square one and you need to know that Jesus is alive and he is good and he is for you God showed us his love when Jesus died on the cross and God showed us his power when he raised Jesus from the dead His power over selfishness. His power over our mistakes. His power over sin. God's love and His power are partnered with His presence here today. He is mighty to save. He will rescue us from our dark place. If we just ask Him to forgive us and to become part of His family, He will say yes. So if that's you, pray this with me. God, I need Jesus. I trust you. Thank you for coming to this earth as a perfect son of God to take the sacrifice and the punishment that I deserved. And then thank you for revealing your power over my selfishness and my sin when you were raised from the dead. I want forgiveness for all that I've done, and I want hope in all that you've done on my behalf. I want to be part of God's family. I want to live with you forever. I want to do more with my life than I could ever do on my own. Thank you for allowing me to be part of your family and for entrusting me with your plan on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. All right. Well, it is still COVID-19 season, so our instructions are that you would enjoy this 72-degree morning outside as you visit and chat with each other. And we'll see you guys next time. Have a great day.